0: Well, Shalom everybody. Oh my gosh, we got to do better than that. Can we try that again? Shalom everybody. Shalom. Much better. Thank you. Shalom. It's great to be with you. Especially um it's a privilege to um to come and to worship together, to uh, open the word of God. Thank you so much for your prayer. Thank you so much for your partnership and for your support. Um Pastor Bobby, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your um, dedication, and always such an example of, um, you know, word of God, (laughs) believer, brother, pastor. So thank you so much, Calvary. It's really a privilege and a joy to be here and to be your missionary to Jewish people with Jews for Jesus. You know, Jews for Jesus, and we, let me put this on here, we relentlessly pursue God's plan for the salvation of the Jewish people. You know, it's not us who really save anybody. It's only the Lord who does it. All that we do really is come alongside what God is doing Pursuing God's plan for the salvation of the Jewish people. What is God's plan for the salvation of the Jewish people? Well, in case you have any doubts, it's exactly the same plan of salvation that God has for all people. It's only through faith in the Messiah of Israel. The Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, who came, died for our sins, and rose on the third day. You know, there is a lot that God is doing among Jewish people. I'm um, all across the world. And um, if you miss Sunday school, I think um, we have that recording for you, maybe, and you can watch. Um, it was uh, really great to, uh, to bring a report of, of, of a lot of what God is doing um, among Jewish people um, across the world. Um, but I want to highlight for you um, a ministry that we have in Israel that is so near and dear. To my heart, and I know also to God's heart as well. You know, most Jewish people in this country are more affluent, um, but in Israel, um, it's not so the case. In Israel, like in so many other countries, there's an entire population um, of those who normally um, are unseen by the average people. You know who I'm talking about, the homeless, addicts, those who are trafficked. There is a large population of those in Israel today. You know, prostitution in Israel is legal. It's accepted. And we have a ministry that we have began, and I want to show you all about that.
1: My name is Marian Shoshani. I am a missionary with Jews for Jesus in Tel Aviv. We serve the population struggling with drug addiction, alcoholism, prostitution, and homelessness. And we're a team of four, and what we do is we serve food, just because that's a basic and physical need that there is um, in the area of South Tel Aviv. With most of these people, it takes time to build trust because they've been so hurt. So we give out food. So we'd build relationship with these people. Ever since I was a young girl, I always remember seeing those that society considers as unseen. And I remember always seeing that and volunteering in those places, wanting those people to know that they are seen in the eyes of God. These women need the gospel because there's no other hope for them what they've been through, the trauma, the pain, the hurt, their soul is still so, so hurt and it needs healing. And we can make that place and find that place for them to be at ease from what they have been through. By God's grace, we are in the process of opening a safe home just for women. Together, we can share with these broken women. God is with us, and he is a God who sees them and loves them. And when we share this good news with them, it's amazing to see how surprised they are that Jesus came to know them. Thank you because we are able to do what we do and lives change.
0: Now, we have uh, four ladies who live in in a women's shelter in Tel Aviv. And um, some of them have already come to faith, they're being discipled and growing. Others are still in the process. And none of that would have been uh, possible without your prayers, without your partnership and support. So we thank you so much. We know that your heart is like ours, to make disciples of all nations. And that's certainly what we're seeing through the women's shelter and through the uh, women ministry, the, um, the ministry to the homeless, addicts, and trafficked in Tel Aviv. So thank you so much for partnering with us. Thank you so much for your, um, your support. Um, when you entered the, um, the service um, this morning, you should have received one of these cards. Did everybody get one of these? Can you take it out for me? If you didn't get one and you raise your hand, um, Asher will... Sp- Give you one. Okay, take those out right now, and uh, when you take it out, if you would uh, fold the um, the top portion here, okay, and then you can tear it. Okay, so you have two portions of this cards in your hand. The picture, our family picture. Would you take um, our family home with you? Would you please keep this in your Bibles? Um, remember to pray for us as your missionaries to Jewish people. Remember to pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. So that's for you to keep. This card and um, the other portion is not for you to keep. If you fill out your um, contact information, email address, we'd love to send your you prayer updates and our newsletter, so that you would know more about our ministry and what's happening with us. So um, please fill out this card. There is a box in the back as you leave church this morning and that, that, that has a label there for the guest speaker. So if you just drop this card, we would love to send you our free prayer updates, our free newsletters, so you may know how to pray for us. And um, Now, besides uh, putting us in your Bible, if you want, you can also put us on your refrigerator. <laughs> I've got uh, some magnets on the, fr- on the table, on the resource table in the back. So as you, f- as you leave and as you fell out, you can please um, take one of these. Um, another way of how you can partner with our ministry, of course, is um, through personally supporting us as well. And you have the QR code on the screen. You can do that. It's also on the, on the magnet. And if you indicate the amount of your gift on this card, if you give um, cash or checks and make payable to Jews for Jesus, you can just, we'll be glad to um, properly uh, thank you and receive you for your gift. Thank you so much for your prayers, your support, your partnership with our ministry, Jews for Jesus. It's such a privilege to serve the Lord. It's such an honor to make disciples, to preach the gospel. To people you know we have hope we have hope for the future there is so much that's happening in our world today but no matter what is happening in the present we have hope because of Jesus and that hope that we have knowing that it is the only solution really propels us motivates encourages us to share the gospel Jesus brings our hope for the future And that is the essence of missions. You know, the greatest Jew for Jesus missionary that ever lived was the Apostle Paul. Now, obviously, I'm uh, saying this, you know, tongue in cheek. I'm kind of joking around. Jews for Jesus is a ministry. We just celebrated our 50th anniversary just actually a week ago. And, of course, uh, Paul wasn't... You know and um, has been dead for a while now has been with the lord for a while now um, but after all the apostle paul is a jew and he was for jesus and he's certainly the most famous missionary we all know his impact for christ now you know the apostle paul had to pay a great price for believing in jesus for following jesus and for serving jesus But Paul was willing to pay that price because he knew that Jesus and the gospel is the only hope that humanity has for the future. And he summarized it, I think, perfectly in this one verse that's on our screen. In a way that both explains his reason for for devoting his life to the Lord's service and at the same time challenging us to do the same. So, You can open your Bibles if you want to Philippians chapter 1, and we read the context, the passage, but let me expound a little bit on this. You know, when Paul wrote the letter to the church in Philippi, probably around 62 AD, he was actually in prison. He was chained to a Roman guard. Now... It's strange that, therefore, the overall theme of the letter is actually one of joy and encouragement to the church, even though Paul was in the midst of paying the cost for following the Lord. Paul was suffering for his faith. Yet, here in this letter, the book of Philippians, we find a conscience summary in one verse— a concise summary in one verse. The real meaning of life as well as death to a Christian. And the very important personal choice that makes it all possible. Here we find why Paul is living the way that he's living, serving Jesus and giving Jesus all he got. In this verse, Paul not only explained why it is worth any cost to follow Christ, but also the future hope that is found in Jesus. Verse 21, chapter 1. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ. That was Paul's commitment that God would be glorified. And the gospel of Christ spread through everything that happened in his life. And he summarizes that commitment here in a very succinct way by saying, for to me, to live is Christ. That's a good summary he says the bottom line for me is that no the bottom line for me is that to live here on this earth means that i get to further the cause of jesus christ through whatever ability i have and through whatever happens in my life to live as christ Paul says, how much can I praise him? How many people can I share him with? How many can I teach about him? How can I further his kingdom and glory with my life? Paul says, my whole life is measured not by what other people may call success, but by what I am able to do for Christ while I'm I'm here. To me, to live is Christ. You know, um, I'm sure many of you, um, you know, are aware that the um, NFL season has just begun, right? You guys aware of it, maybe? Maybe some of you like football? Anyway, um, just uh, recently through my travels, um, actually it was at the end of last season, but um, I was traveling and I, um, I, was, um, I, I ran into this story of a young man who was a huge, not just a huge football plan, but he was just this huge fan of the Green Bay Packers, okay? Now, in this course of his conversation with the interviewer, you know, this young man wearing one of those big cheese hats. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Well, anyway, this is what he said. and It was so surprising to me. I actually took it down. He said this. He says, I live for the Green Bay Packers. He said, if it promotes the Green Bay Packers in the world, I'll do it. If it doesn't promote the Green Bay Packers, I won't do it. For me, the question in everything is always, does this promote the cause of the Green Bay Packers? I'm not lying to you. This is a true quote. Now, when I read that, I thought, wow, man, this young man, he is committed. He's committed. Obviously, I think that he's committed to the wrong thing. Right? I mean, I don't even think the Green Bay Packers made the Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous, right? We don't live for sports or anything else. We are to live for Christ. But, you know, I thought to myself also, man, we can take this young man's, this kind of commitment that this young man had for his team, for the Green Bay Packers, and we need to apply it. To our own lives and Christ. As Christ's disciples, our question with every activity we participate in and every decision we make should be, does this activity further the cause of Christ? If it furthers Christ, I'll do it. If it doesn't further Christ, I will not do it. In any decision we make in life, our single most important criteria should be, does this help the cause of Christ? If it does, we'll do it. If it doesn't, we won't do it. Because for us to live as Christ. We make our decisions by whether it benefits Him and advances His kingdom. It's not, do I want to do it? It's not, does this make me money? It's not, does it make me feel good? It's not, do other people want me to do it? Or is everyone else doing it? No. The question for us is, does this further the kingdom of Christ in the world? That is the way we are to make our decisions in the world as disciples, as Christians. Because like Paul, for us to live as Christ. The reason God has us alive here on this earth is to glorify and serve Him. We need to remember that. We're alive, right? Why? Because God has a purpose for us. Now, we may not live um, as lives as dramatic a fashion as Paul, but we are alive none, 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 nonetheless. God has seen fit in His providence to keep us alive. So we need to ask ourselves, for what purpose has God kept me alive? Why am I here? What is His purpose? The short answer to that question is right here in this verse. To live is Christ. God has not given us our life for something as shallow as following our hearts or chasing our dreams. He has not spared us so that we can waste endless days, you know, watching TV or playing games or seeking entertainment. He gave us this life to glorify Him, to live as Christ. That is what we are to live for. Not to make a name for ourselves, not to spread the fame of our favorite sports team, or even our church, any other cause. But God gave us this life to glorify Him by spreading the gospel of Christ This is the purpose of life. That is what God has you here for. Your goal is to do that the best way you can with the particular gifts and abilities that God has given you. Make no mistake. Your purpose in life is to further the name and kingdom of Christ. To be able to say, for me, to live is Christ. So Paul says his life is all about living living for Jesus. So that he can say to me, To live is Christ, but he also says, and to die is gain. Now, to a lot of people, that sounds even more odd than to live is Christ. Someone might think, okay, well, maybe to you, um, to live could be Christ. But to say to die is gain, that's a different thing, isn't it? Not too many people really think that way. Most people think of death as the worst possible thing that can happen to anyone. But Paul says, no, to die is gain. Now, the word gain here in the Greek, um, in the Greek Bible, is the word kerdos, which means profit. In the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, Jesus says that the slaves invested their master's money and they made a profit with his money. That is the word that is used here. It's a business word. It means To make a profit. So Paul is saying here, hey, death is not something I'm afraid of. He says, I will actually profit if I die. It will be better for me if I die than if I live. In fact, Paul elaborates on that in the next verses of this passage as we read, where he talks about the tension between whether he would rather stay here and continuing serving on earth Or if it would be better for him to die. And he says in verse 23, I have the desire to depart from this life and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Now, we need to look closely at this expression, very much better, because it is incredibly strong. It stacks two adjectives and an adverb right on top of each other. Very much better. The first word Polo means many, much, a multitude. The second, malon, means more than, better rather than something else. And the last word, christen, means better, stronger, more, excellent. So Paul, of course under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just stacks these comparatives one upon the other to just emphasize this, To die and be with Christ is a multitude more excellent, better than life. Polon, Malon, Christen, much more better to die than to live here on this earth. He says it is a gain. It's a profit for him. That is the Christian attitude towards death. Honestly, I don't think most people have this attitude. It goes against our natural inclination. And God has instilled within mankind a powerful desire to live, which is a good thing. But our faith in God's word tells us that there is something much more better waiting for the Christian person after death than anything we know here on earth. And that's something that is so much better is God himself. Notice Paul doesn't say, just say, I want to die and go to heaven because that is so much better. He doesn't say, I want to go and see, you know, the streets of gold and more the pearly gates because that is much more better. He doesn't say, I want to go and ride, you know, that perfect perfect white horse, you know, through the meadows Or maybe play that perfect round of golf in the sky. (laughs) Because that is much more better. He says, I want to depart and be with Christ. Be with Christ, for that is much more better. See, it is Jesus himself who is the goal. It is the Lord who makes heaven much more better. This goes back to the very heart. This goes back to the very heart of the gospel. That God made us specifically for himself. As C.S. Lewis said, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel and our spirits were designed to burn. Just like a solar-powered machine is designed to run off of the sun, so we were made to be empowered by the glory of the face of God. But we weren't that when we sinned against God. And a shadow fell across our relationship with God that cut us off from him in his glory. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is what that verse means. That by our sins we separated ourselves from the glory of God. That we were made to thrive off of. But God still loved us even though we sinned. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins So now if we repent of our sins and come back to him and ask him for his forgiveness, we can be forgiven and know the glory of God again. We can begin to taste that glory right now in our personal worship and in our worship with others. And then when we die or when Jesus returns, we will bask in the presence of His glory forever with no sin, with nothing to hinder us from all the blessings of His glory face to face. Amen? This is what David is talking about in Psalm 1715 when he says, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied with your likeness when I am awake. David says, one day I will awake in heaven and I'm going to be satisfied with your likeness. He says, I will be fully satisfied with the glory of the face of God. He says in Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. The glory of the face of God himself is what is waiting for us in heaven. And Paul says that glory and pleasure and joy will be much more better than anything we have ever experienced here on earth. We need to learn to really believe like Paul did. That as a Christian, to die is gain. It is much more better. That is a hope. That is a hope. Our eternal, secure hope for the future. You know, sometimes the smallest words have the biggest impact, and that is true here in this verse. Paul says here that the statement is not true for everyone. Look what he said. You know, Paul could have said, For all to live is Christ and to die is gain. Is that what the verse says? No. Notice, he said, To me. He said, To me. This was true for him, for Paul. But it wasn't and isn't today true for everyone. It is only true for those who have genuinely committed their lives to Christ and decide to live in this way like Paul did. For one, not everyone can say "For to me to live is Christ. Most people don't live for Christ, so they can't say that to live is Christ. They aren't spending their lives advancing His kingdom in the world. They aren't telling anybody about Him. For them to live is not Christ. For them to live Maybe it's just themselves, their will, their pleasure, their own way. What about you? What about me? It's for us to live Christ. It certainly should be. See, this is not true for everyone. This is a personal conscience choice you have to make. That for you to live is going to be Christ. You have to choose to make Jesus your own personal Lord and Savior and commit your life to follow Him. You have to choose that whatever situation or circumstance you come into, you're going to glorify Him. And that your circumstances are going to be your witness stand for Christ. This is a personal choice you have to make for me, for me. And how many people, maybe even those of us here this morning, how many Really see death as gain. What Paul says here is not true for everyone. It is only true for those who have made the personal decision that for them this will be true. It is a personal decision. For me, he says, for me, this is a a personal choice. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's Paul's invitation to all of us. Will you make that personal commitment and choice as a Christ disciple? That for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. you make that choice? You know, when I came to faith in Jesus as a young believer, I didn't really know that that was going to be a choice I'm going to have to make. I was born and raised in Israel in a typical Israeli Jewish home, secular home. My parents are atheists. But even as a young boy, I never really bought into my parents' atheism. I always believed that God was real. Each year when we would celebrate the holidays, I believed that God was really there, for example, in Passover, delivering us out of Exodus as we celebrate. When I started going to public school in Israel uh, from the first grade, we studied Old Testament Scriptures. And as I read um, in the Bible there, I, I, I read about God, and I believed that God was really real and true. But I didn't really know what to do with my faith in God, my parents being atheists. And then when I was 14, in the middle of ninth grade, my dad's job moved us from Israel to New York. And actually, we moved to Long Island, Nassau County. I graduated from Sasset High School. And after high school, I started attending Stony Brook University, majoring in math. I have a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics. And while going to school, um, I decided to to earn some, some money, and so I became a tutor. And I tutored students who needed extra help in math. One day, I was helping this girl with her math homework. And as I'm helping her, she recognizes my accent in English, and she asked me if I'm Russian. And I said, no, I'm not Russian. I'm Israeli. She got excited. She said, oh, wow, I'm also Jewish. So we had something in common. We continued, um, you know, continued talking. And then at some point in the conversation, she tells me that she believes in Yeshua, Now, being fluent in Hebrew, right away, I recognize the word Yeshua. The word Yeshua is the Hebrew word for salvation. But I've never heard of that word as a name. No one in Israel today is named Yeshua. So I ask her, Yeshua, who is this Yeshua that you believe in? And she tells me that it's Jesus. Wow, I was shocked. For two reasons. First of all, I never knew that Jesus' real Hebrew name was Yeshua, was salvation. Second of all, I never met a Jewish person who believed in Jesus. She was the first one. So I was naturally curious. So I wanted to know more. So a few days later, we met for lunch. And it was during that lunch that she opened the Old Testament scriptures to me. And she shared with me prophecies about the Messiah. And then she showed me in the New Testament how Jesus, how Yeshua fulfilled each and every one of those prophecies. And it made perfect sense. Praise God. A few days later, I prayed with her to receive the Lord. Now, two years later, we got married. Okay, this is Dina, my wife. Praise God for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, when Dina, when when it all made sense, after I saw those prophecies, I said to Dina, hey, what are my parents going to think about this? You know? And she was honest. She said, hey, I'm not so sure what they're going to think about this, you know? And so it took me a little bit of time, but I did commit my life to the Lord, not before telling my parents. And, you know, praise God, my parents' first response to me telling them that I now believe in Jesus was one of um, disbelief and misunderstanding. They didn't really know what to do with it. So they said something like, okay, we're not worried. You'll grow out of it. You know, I think they thought it was something like puberty. (laughs) You know, they didn't really understand. So they're like, okay, well, that's crazy, but whatever which was great for me. I was able to get discipled, and I was going in my faith. It was after my baptism, three months into my faith, that my parents realized that this was serious and it wasn't going to pass. And that's when they started trying to do everything they can to stop me from believing in Jesus. They sent me to see an anti-missionary rabbi who was trying to convince me that Jesus is not the Messiah. They thought I was crazy, so they sent me to see a psychologist and a psychiatrist. They were convinced that I was a part of a cult, so they had a family intervention, and they brought a specialist in cults and in brainwashing to talk to us. They did everything they can, and nothing worked. Of course, it was very difficult, so I, um, I was disowned, and I had to leave the house. And I'll never forget the day that I came to pack up my stuff, and to leave the house. And my dad was there. My dad is not a violent man, but he lost it. And he beat me up pretty severely, you know? We had to call the police. You know, my parents and I didn't have a relationship for many years. When it was time for us to get married, they didn't show up to the wedding, you know? It was very difficult. Jews for Jesus, we go out on the streets, we hand our tracks. We talk to Jewish people about the Messiah, Jesus. So many of our staff, you know, we get hostility. It's not easy, we get persecution. I'll never forget the one time, and one of the times that I was handing out tracks, you know, just outside of an army base, outside of Tel Aviv, you know. In the morning, just greeting soldiers or they're coming to their base. I'll never forget a bunch of Orthodox Jews Saw They weren't going to serve. They were just there, going their way. And they started picking up stones and throwing them at us. One time I was leading a team here in Brooklyn to, um, to speak to the Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn. You know, they came at us with knives. They cut our track bags. I can go on and on and tell you stories and stories, you know. Is it all worth it? Is it all worth it? Well, let me just tell you that from my point of view, absolutely, absolutely, you know, there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. There is a cost to follow and to serve Jesus. Church brothers and sisters, more and more here in this country, we're seeing this cost. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? May we be able to say, like the Apostle Paul, yes, yes, 100% yes. Why? Because for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we we know, Lord, that to follow you, there is a price to pay. Lord, it's not because we are so great; we're not. But it's because, Jesus, you paid the price. You paid the ultimate price. None of us, none of us, will ever fully know the price that you paid. But God, we do know that while yet we were your enemies, you came and you died for us, for each one of us, Lord. So Lord, help us to take that reality. Help us to um, apply to our lives. Help us, Lord God, to stand with the Apostle Paul and to say, for to us, to live is Christ and to die is gain. God, that's my prayer for my brothers and sisters here. That's my prayer for myself, Lord may we be found worthy of the calling and worthy of the gospel. Help us, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said? Amen. Amen.